two, and one. All right, welcome back to week four. Actually, it's episode four. I don't know if it'll be week four, but it is, it, I guess it's week four. It's episode four of There Will Be Banter. We lost someone, but we definitely replaced him uh, with a check mark. So for those of you who know what the blue checks are, we got one. Uh, anyway, <laughs> take that, Nick. Uh, let's bring in my fellow banterers. We have the retired CIA spook. Ron Moeller, how are you, sir? I am well. We have the left's lovable gun-toting liberal, Veronica Lopez. How are you, madam? Most excellent. Outstanding. And coming out of the bullpen to replace Nick Guy, we have a very average civilian. <laughs> Christina Wong. How are you, madam? Thank you. The most okayest civilian reporter. The most okayest civilian reporter who has managed <laughs> to purchase through all of her reporting efforts that really large TV right behind her. If you can just look at that. <laughs> reporting. It's really big. You can't tell. It looks like the size of my hand, but it's really, it's, it's much bigger. Exactly. It's really just the lens. Yeah. It's just, it's all, uh, it's that word. It's all perspective. It's just, you know, it's an optical illusion. Exactly. All right, so tonight we have a few things to talk with everyone about. Uh, one is pretty much, you know, if the internet could shut down, everyone talks about things shutting down the internet. I would imagine this kind of did with the whole cancel Netflix hashtag. But before we get into that, I would like to talk about uh, with the return of the NFL and the, the ongoing playoffs through the NBA, um, there's been a lot of – to me it just seems like a lot of orchestrated – demonstrations to either cause attention, which I know that's the, 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 the motive, but it just seems like it's not really doing anything but landing pretty flat. And then uh, on 9-11 last week, we had a playoff game in the NBA where the players, despite it being 9-11, still knelt. Now, I bring this up because in the face of all of this, also taking place last Thursday was the, the first game of the NFL season where the Kansas City Chiefs played against the Houston Texans. And there was a demonstration prior to the game kicking off where it was the players on the field interlocked in arms and uh, the fans booed. And there's a lot of conversation on why did they boo? Because it had nothing to do with the flag, et cetera. There was some confusion amongst others like J.J. Watt of the Texans. Um, my opinion, the reason they were booing was not what the, the fans were doing. It's 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 in response to the Black Lives Matter organization, which over the last month has lost significant popularity in terms of polling. Uh, you can review any poll to see that it is the, the popularity is declining amongst the organization. It's not the Black Lives Matter movement itself. It's just the people pulling the strings. So, Ron, before I throw it to you real quick, I, I, I want to make this point because I feel like outside of the politicians in this country and the actors in Hollywood, I don't think there's a more detached group from American society, despite being ones that really come from some of the lower socioeconomic areas. Once they get to this level, it seems like they are one of the most detached groups in our country from what is actually going on in society. What say you, Mr. Retired CIA spook Ron Mueller? <laughs> Wow. Um, Thank you. Well, I haven't been watching any of the pro sports because it doesn't seem real. It, um, the stadiums are fairly empty. I, I know the NFL's got social distancing. So what they, yep. they had what, 10% of the stadium. Something filled. like that. Yeah. In Kansas City. It was, it was in a, but I, I mean, I think Americans used to enjoy whatever sport is, is your, 
you know, tickles your fancy. It was a form of escapism. We were able to go view it either on television or in, in person in the stadium or the arena. And we, we, we looked at awesome athletic feats, the competition, the sportsmanship, you know, our favorite players, that sort of thing. But I think I think the players, as you say, they're they're very detached from reality. Somehow they 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 think the the adulation, I guess, is the word mm. that that the fans, that the audience pays them and cheer, the cheers. That somehow they think they have uh, some sort of innate social leadership abilities or capabilities. That no, you don't. I'm sorry. Mm. And I, I mean, you know, I can you know King James, their old James LeBron. You know, <laughs> you know, the largest Chinese agent of influence in the NBA. And I'm, I mean, talk about a very detached person. Yeah. He, you know, right. No reality. The, uh, the, um, the football players are just, you know, I, I think um, we've only had one football player who actually stands up for free speech, what he believes. And I'm sure, he, you know, the locker room was a fun place after, his teammates found out about it, but I don't, I don't want to sort of, you know, ruin the surprise. Right. Well, so you referenced Alejandro Villanueva, the, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. I was Steelers. doing a brain fart. I couldn't uh, yeah. remember his name. No, I got it. Pittsburgh Steelers offensive lineman. Uh, he went to West Point. He was, at, he was actually a tight end at West Point. He went there, commissioned into the Army, obviously, served some tours, uh, army ranger yeah he was an army ranger he was actually awarded the bronze star for performing his or uh rescuing with some soldiers v. under fire with a v not a, not with an v. Exactly. Bronze got a, star. He, yeah i got a he got a real bronze star the one with the v not the ones handed out to those who hide out behind computers like that's another story uh but so he was the one who the pittsburgh steelers to kind of bring some backstory into this they they all agreed to put a name of someone on the back of their helmets and Alejandro Villanueva decided to put Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cash's name on the helmet, who has, was awarded the Silver Star for his actions in Iraq. It's been trying to be upgraded or not upgraded, but essentially we're trying to get him the Medal of Honor at this point. So he did that to bring awareness to the situation. Uh, if you read through the story, it, it, it seems like his coach, Mike Tomlin, knew about it, but the players, despite that, agreed to do one thing and, and – uh, Alejandro Villanueva decided to do this. Um, but getting back to the NBA real quick, I just want to point out that like, like Ron was saying, you have, you have certain players who just feel based on their platform being that they are in the national basketball association, obviously several million people watch every game every, or whenever they play. The problem is you, you have a lot of these players making these political statements or statements in general, but only 20% of them are registered to vote which if you're going to do anything in this country through political change, you need to at least be able to cast a ballot to do so. So Veronica, with everything you just heard from myself and Ron, what do you say? So I, I kind of touched on this on the, like the one-on-one -on -one podcast that you yep, and I did. I remember. Yep. Um, so me personally, I, I understand how, like I personally don't care for sports. Um, I, I'm, <laughs> I've been, I've, I have made I have made a really strong effort to like learn about football and hockey because my boyfriend enjoys both. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm just trying to be a supportive girlfriend, but yeah. beyond that, I could give a shit less, right? That's amazing. Um, Good for but, you. But from the political standpoint, right? Just from like a social standpoint, I find it really interesting um, that this 
like attitude towards the the politicizing of sports has taken on such a like a a negative connotation when it comes to like black lives matter but we've had no issue with like the national anthem or flags being flown or like the blue angels flying over or politicians being like go whatever the hell team um having the players at the white house having soldiers out on the field like it's it's been political right like we have always mixed government we've mixed government and and sports together quite well, a bit especially since, football absolutely yeah, since 9 11 right yeah. so it's like, part of the guards yeah. budget if you look at it yeah. yeah we spend a ton of money on that like the like you know the this the whole thing right so mm-hmm. but with that like i think for me personally like looking at it from like just a outsider looking in right with no investment in sports a lot of these guys football for instance is 70 percent black yep. you know 70 percent black athletes and a lot of these guys are affected by the things that are happening in our country right now. A lot of them come from humble, humble or low income neighborhoods. And they do have family that are, again, directly and disproportionately affected by a lot of the things that we're seeing, um, you know, in these communities, to, especially in like low income urban communities. So to say that they have no stake in this is, is really hard for me to buy into because I, they do. You know, you have these kids that are getting, you know, like one of the things that you and I talked about, like they're yeah. getting scholarships out of, yep. to get the hell out of the ghetto. They're right. going to college and then they're getting drafted into the NFL. They're really not that far. Like the separation is maybe like six years, seven years, eight years tops from like them living in like poverty to like being in the NFL. So I, I, I just, I struggle to see that. I also believe you know, my personal belief is that if you have a platform to say something, if you have the ability and the visibility to say something meaningful, you, ha- you have a moral obligation, a moral responsibility to. So I, I just, I want to finish what I'm going to say with a quote that I really like by uh, Lance Briggs. Uh, Chicago Bears, is, what up? Yeah, I know this Lance is, uh, this is, yeah, so this University is on, of this Arizona is, Wildcat, for those who didn't know. This is, yeah, this is, one of, this is a tweet that he, he posted on, um, on okay. September 10th. There's a segment of Americans who have an ability to compartmentalize their affinity for black athletes as a source of entertainment, yet remain apathetic and indifferent to their plight. And I like, I, that, like, that is how, that pretty much sums up, like, how I felt about the whole thing, so. That's fair. Um, and uh, I, I always revert back to Jason Whitlock, uh, an African-American columnist for, right. yeah whatever he does now at this point he works for outkick um but anyway most outspoken individual probably about the black lives matter movement but he always constantly points out that the nfl is the largest supplier or producer of black millionaires in this country right that's what he points out because it ties into what you're saying like this is an outlet for them okay without the nba or without the nfl for sure because it's the largest sports organization we have and the most popular uh yeah, it gets people like Jason Whitlock, as he said, it gets them. He got a, a scholarship because right. he could play football. He couldn't get, he wasn't good enough to get to the NFL, but it's, it's below that, right? The, the football provides this opportunity for so many, and so many of them happen to be, as you say, black Americans. Um, so that's why what he talks about is when the NFL succumbs to an organization that is not popular and is losing popularity amongst the American, the, the American public, like the Black Lives Matter organization for those who can't separate the two that is what i think is is drawing the booze but uh you know 
I want to move on from the NBA portion of it because I think this is more on the, the, the NFL side at this point because, like, look, the NFL started. It's going on right now. It, the NBA is the back burner. Them kneeling on 9-11, I think, was just an awful optic to put out and to present. It's the one day you probably shouldn't do this despite the fact that you were kneeling literally the entire playoffs, like one day, like not doing it is probably going to cause more attention and then you could explain why. But Christina, let's finally bring you in off the bench to replace the world's most okayest Green Beret and podcaster, Nick Guy. We now have the world's <laughs> most okayest civilian reporter. Christina, what do you think about all this? So uh, I actually don't watch football, uh, mostly because I don't have uh, cable. I don't have local TV. I don't have cable. I haven't had it for years. Um, I do play fantasy football, though. So <laughs> I'm vaguely familiar you know, with who the players are. Um, you know, I'm aware of the controversy. Uh, it doesn't affect me personally because I don't have to, you know, watch these uh displays of like standing or kneeling or being in the locker room or whatever but um you know sports is a hobby uh for, for people it's something that people enjoy to get away from stress you know politics you know my job i follow politics sometimes i just want to get away from it and my escape is working out is going to the gym yeah. and as anyone who follows my Instagram knows, I'm a huge fan of Barry's boot camp. <laughs> That's really also a big fan of about. trying to get a, a leg tuck for the Army ACFT. I know that. <laughs> yes, yeah, basically just to, you know, prove people that, prove people that, and that, yeah. Anyway, exactly. so, um, you know, uh, a lot of the trainers at, at Barry's Boot Camp, they're very liberal. And a lot of my friends are liberal. And, you know, I don't care. And I get along with them fine. I, I love all the trainers there. I follow them all on Instagram. Um, however, I'm really glad that they don't espouse their political views in class. And they could. I mean, I've been to uh, classes in San Francisco, in Boston, you know, even Sweden, uh, where they're very liberal, and they could. I mean, there's 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 some trainers who, at the end, they get a little message of what's going on in their life, and and you know, um, ask for prayers. And I really appreciate that they don't inject their politics uh, in the class. You know, they post on Instagram. Uh, you know, they talk about Trump. You know, and that and that's fine. But I don't want to go to the class and be confronted with their political yeah. views and have to be put in positions where I show support or I, I don't show support. I just want to get away. I just want to focus on something else, you know, just for like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> and and so I think I agree with you. Um, you know, the sounds been skipping. I did hear you, uh, Eric, say that you know. Um, a lot of these, these guys are millionaires, and, you know, I think they have a huge platform that they can use in their personal time. They can donate, they can volunteer, they can bring awareness. Um, I like that. I think Kanye West, I think he donated, um, I could be wrong, but I think he donated uh, college tuition to George Floyd's kids. Um, mm -hmm. Something like that would be great, just volunteering or bringing attention to inner city schools. I'm not saying they don't do this, they could do this, but... You know, there's plenty of things they could do without subjecting 
something that should be relaxing and fun to, to, to you know, divisive politics. Yeah, uh, I think that's the main thing is because I think, I can't remember what year it was started, but we never used to broadcast the national anthem prior to football games starting. Like that was not, that's a very, that's a fairly recent trend. And the reason these things and these demonstrations take place is because the TV networks are willing to show them. So until oh, they don't need, show we them. Need, we needed more people to fucking join the army after 9-11, man. We got to yeah, yeah. those Actually, numbers. You know <laughs> she's probably, she's, she's probably, you know, that may not be the, that may not be the company tool. line, but that's probably the real answer behind that. All right. So <laughs> I get it. And what, what Veronica or not Veronica, what Christina is drawing attention to is what I think Ron touched on as well is like sports is an escape, escapism, right? Um, however, Politics and sports have been intertwined since we go as far back as, what, the 1936 Olympics when Jesse Owens did his thing. Um, then you had the Black Panthers at the Olympics holding up, you know, the fist. Mexico or, City, 68. Right. So that happened. Uh, politics and sports has always been intertwined. Um, when I went and did my political science degree, I remember I signed up my final year uh, for the first official edition of a class called politics and sport. And I still remember the, the, the professor, Dr. View, great, great woman, great individual, fucking big Oklahoma Sooners fan. And I just remember sitting in class, like, did I really never notice this shit? Cause I really never did. Like it's because it wasn't so overt as it is now. But when I've learned what she was teaching and I learned all those examples and I just realized, I mean, let's look at Muhammad Ali, a man went to prison because he refused to participate in the, in the, the Vietnam war. Like, and that is my correlation with kind of what Ron was saying when it comes to LeBron James, like Muhammad Ali and what people try to paint LeBron James as of today, these men are not the same. They are not. LeBron James does not remotely have the ability to form a sentence on the level of Muhammad Ali. And he is probably the most richest athlete we will ever see based on well, outside of Michael Jordan. And he's a horrible carrier of this torch that Muhammad Ali ignited years and decades ago. And I think that is the problem is that you had men like Muhammad Ali who are willing to sacrifice their careers to do what they actually believed in. We don't see that from these athletes. These athletes are not sacrificing anything by taking so in the outside so, of Colin Kaepernick, right? We can I was, I was about to say. I was yeah, like, no, no, I Colin Kaepernick's right. Would be Colin what Kaepernick. I'm saying is oh. Colin Kaepernick was <laughs> not. <laughs> what? Ka a mediocre quarterback? Who, yeah, Kaepernick, Kaepernick so, had a good run in San Francisco. Don't get me wrong. He was, he was a good player. He got to a Super Bowl with Jim Harbaugh. I understand that. But he's not, Jim Har he's not LeBron James, and he damn sure wasn't Muhammad Ali. So my point oh. is Kaepernick took the, he, he took the knife. And now everyone thinks it's safe to do whatever they want to do. And that's fine. I'm, I'm all for it. I'm just saying what Ron and Christina kind of touched on is that you have so much opportunity outside of when it's the national anthem or for whatever it is to present and make your case to the American people to be in your communities. And I know that there's tons of athletes that do all this without any attention focused on them because they're just doing what they want. But when you have those people like LeBron James who come out and they throw gasoline on a situation, or situation, I can't speak, throw gasoline on it. The, the whole Kenosha, Wisconsin thing. He immediately came out without ever seeing any of the other actual videos that's, that actually supported the officers in that case. That's the problem. Because we're, we're in a culture, and it, it's actually part of the quote from the, the, the cuties thing. is like we, don't know, we, 
the quote I was going to read for the cuties thing applies perfectly to this. There's nuanced discussions that are meant to encourage and that the fast twitch social media has completely squashed. We don't have conversations about nuance anymore. We just react. <laughs> Veronica, is that, is that kind of, am I yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I, I, no, and I, I, compl- I completely agree. And I, I think, <laughs> but I think for me, right, like we're going to look at this very differently. We're going to look through this in a very different lens yep. in 20, 30 years from now, because when it was Martin Luther King, when it was, uh, you know, Malcolm X, when it was the Black Panthers, when it was Angela Davis, when it was mm. Muhammad Ali, they were, they, they were on the fucking FBI, like, watch list. They were not revered back then. Probably on Ron's radar, with, right, Ron? Probably, Ron. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Hey, Eldridge Cleaver, there we I saw, were. I saw your mustache twitch. You know something. <laughs> like, but, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel, I feel like ultimately history is going to look back on this and just like really it's going to be decided like what this meant in time further down the road it's really i think it's hard to see the forest for the trees right now because we're in it you know oh yeah um and don't get me wrong like there's a lot of performative activism that's happening and it's fucking obnoxious but i genuinely think like in my heart of hearts i i genuinely believe that the majority of people are honestly speaking from a place that like hey this means something to me and if i have an opportunity to say something now like I should. Um, I feel like Colin Kaepernick was probably, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he was the okayest football player. I don't know. Um, but I, I do feel like if I was the mediocre one at my job, the last thing I would do is stir the shit. Like, well, I when, when he took a knee, right under the lane. Yeah. Just, just so we're all clear when he decided the season, he decided to take a knee, he was no longer the starter. Right. So that's a difference also. It's like, it's not like Tom Brady was the one who started all this. It was Kaepernick who a unfortunately is also, quarterback. he's also can't. a very, he's also, he's a terrible advocate himself because he never says anything. So he, so the, so he actually owns a nonprofit or he runs a nonprofit that he's donated like millions. No, of no, no. He's done a lot of good stuff, but so I'm just saying when really it's, when it's time to speak, games. like you have to be, if you're going to be the face of something, you need to be able yes. to, you have to, you have to speak. You can't just sit behind and let other people talk for you. Right. Anyway, yeah, all and, right. And Muhammad, and Muhammad Ali was very, even in his, you know, his singular speaking style, he was very articulate. Yes, absolutely. And, whereas now we, we have everything um, like the Kaepernick in, in Twitter sound bites and things like that. It, it just, it doesn't resonate. It, it's no way characters. to garner support. <laughs> there you go. It's no way to garner support for, for a cause you're trying to promote or advocate for. Right. Um, all right, we, we'll come back to the sports angle when it comes to what uh, Alejandro Villanueva did uh, when we close out. But I want to move on to the, the biggest controversy, I guess, from an internet standpoint, which sparked the hashtag cancel Netflix. And it is the Netflix film. It's a French film, right, Veronica? French film? Yes. Cuties. Cuties. Um, Full disclosure, I did not see it. I watched the trailer. I read the movie. Or I read everything about it. Uh, I have not exactly viewed it myself. It's just time constraints. But I, based on everything Veronica and I heard or talked about prior to us starting to record this, I will make myself watch it against all reasonable things in my head. But I feel I owe it to this discussion to actually view it. Um, but Veronica, please 
Tell us about Cuties and what, in your opinion, after actually watching the movie that it actually is. So I was, I had no interest in watching it until I started seeing like the hashtag cancel Netflix phenomenon, right? And I'm always interested in like, what the fuck's going on, right? So I watched the movie and I will say off the bat, it's really uncomfortable to watch. Is it child pornography? Absolutely not. Um, so I just want to get that off the, off the cuff. So when I started reading about what the movie was meant to portray, like essentially the, the female director, the female, the French female director that, that directed and wrote this movie, um, was from my, from what I read and from what she stated in a couple articles, basically she was at an event she saw these 11 and 12 year old little girls doing a dance performance. They were gyrating and dancing really suggestively. And she was like, what the fuck? Like, this is so inappropriate. And from there, went and interviewed, like it took the next year and under interviewed hundreds of little girls, preteens, and basically un- like trying to understand what the world looked like through their lens right. and why they behave this way. And, you know, what she found was this really sort of sad and conflict I'm going to say sad right because it's it's this really conflicted place that young girls find themselves in where they're still too young to understand the ramifications of their actions but they're old enough to mimic adults right, right? And I think that's and, the thing I had old enough to mimic not right. old enough to understand exactly and so they're seeing these like pop stars, these, tic- <laughs> these girls on TikTok, these girls on Snapchat, these girls on Instagram, and they're doing all of this provocative and suggestive stuff, and they're getting likes, and they're getting comments, and adoration, right? It's, it's what it looks like online to them in their mind, and all of this attention, and they're emulating these things, not realizing the consequences of their actions, and this, this movie does a really good job of showing that. So the, the movie kind of circulates around this little girl who's from a, a Muslim family, very conservative, and she's, you know, entranced by these other little girls that she sees, they're popular, they get along with the other kids, and she's kind of, out, you know, she's kind of outcasted. She's not cool, she's not popular, but these other little girls are doing all of these suggestive things, and they have a following, and they have friends, and they're popular, and they're cool. So she kind of starts falling into that. And then, you know, obviously the movie sort of shows how this entire thing derails, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to ruin the end because a lot of people aren't going to watch it anyway. I know, I'm sorry. (laughs) But the little girl basically like completely freaks out and realizes like this shit's not for me and goes back to being a little kid. Like the, the movie ends with her like jumping rope with her friends, like in like normal clothes when she was wearing like a crop top and like booty shorts. And for me, go ahead, sorry. No, I was going to say, no, finish your thought because I'll, I'll jump in before. Yeah, I was going to say that this movie really resonated with me uh, for, two, for two reasons, right? Like one is somebody who comes from two completely different cultures. Like I was raised in a fairly conservative Hispanic household where it's like, I, oh my God, like I didn't wear shorts until I was 18 years old and I moved out of the house. Like, like I went to Catholic school, it's like skirts below the knees, like like the collar that you know so that nobody can see anything um i hid my tattoo from my dad my first tattoo that i got when i was 20 years old from my dad for like two years i told him it was henna like terrified of my parents <laughs> i was gonna right? say you got a few since then but yeah i've had a couple they're fine with it now right they've, they've already realized i'm a lost cause and um 
so like just but that and but like now I see you know and I can't imagine anything outside of that like to me I was a kid like you know we did do dancing and we did emulate the Spice Girls and but I never dressed like yeah like skanky you know what I mean my parents right. would have never allowed that you know we'd like put on you know a lot of like colored lip gloss and pretend it was lipstick but like that was kind of as, as far as that would go because I was in a pretty strict household I go to Walmart now and I see little girls in fucking crop tops and oh, yeah. like ass cheek softy shorts walking around and I'm like with their parents and I'm like yeah what the fuck is happening so that's my thing with this whole movie and Christine I'm going to come to you next because again I, I kind of want to hear the, the the actual female perspectives on this because Ron and I uh, last I checked we don't uh we're not females but my thing with what you just touched on is uh because again I, I'll if if anyone doesn't realize at this point I have a 14 year old daughter she does not fortunately for me is she's a she's not like this. She doesn't participate in these things. She doesn't idolize social media. She's just kind of to herself, which I enjoy and I'm glad and I don't know how long it'll last, but I'm, I'm grateful at this point. But my thing about this movie is, and the, and the parents that you describe in general is like, this is a parental issue. Like, why would you ever allow your kids to do this? And I think based on the clip you sent us from that, what was it, Dance Moms or? Yeah. Well, is that what is that the right it's name? Dance moms, yeah. Dance moms. Okay, so seasons of dance moms and like these little girls dressed up as fucking lost right. showgirls. So and, like, watching that and, and thinking again, like it's the parent issue. And I and I after I watched the dance moms click, it totally jogged my memory of a, of a of a woman I used to date who had her kid. She was like five, I think, at the time we were dating. And she had her in all these like beauty competitions, but they weren't normal ones. They were like really odd. You know, because they're dressing very similar to what we're, right. you know, we're seeing in that. So, Christina, what, what, what is your takeaway on this phenomenon? Like, do, do you think this is something that's super prevalent? Is this something you experienced growing up? What's your take on it overall? Yeah, um, so I watched this uh, movie two days ago um, because oh. I knew we were going to talk about it. And, um, you know, I really love the message. I... I loved that age, you know, I, well, maybe not 11, but I would say middle school, and I was, <laughs> but I mean, you know, middle school is not too far off. These girls were in fifth grade or sixth grade, and I loved it, and I kind of went through my own transformation, too, and it was super fast. I remember uh, my dad bought me my first pair of baggy jeans, and it went downhill from there very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> baggy would be great. Uh, yes, yeah, I Maggie know, would be but, great. Uh, I won't get too. What, what's that? Is no, no, no. Is keep baggy. going. Keep going. There's a delay. Just go for it. Okay. I'll just, we'll okay. Um. And so I, I really loved the message, which is that growing up as a young woman in today's world is really hard, especially if you've got immigrant parents, you know, you've got uh, Cardi B talking about her, you know what? <laughs> uh, and, you know, and you've got social media. I mean, thank God I didn't have Twitter and Facebook. Um, but, uh, you know, so the message is, is, is really good, but I think there were just too many crotch shots. There are just too many, too many crotch and butt shots. And every, and, you know, 
I would look over at my fiance and he would be sitting there just sort of like cringing. Uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, he looked kind of guilty. Like, I'm not supposed to be watching this. And he, he's not a creeper, you know? <laughs> so let me just put it out there. But I think he just felt uncomfortable. And I think I felt uncomfortable too the first couple of times. Um, I actually think the middle scene where they're on the steps was worse than the end because by the end I was completely desensitized um, and so I think that you know the poster and the trailer uh, showing them in uh, you know really sexy clothes and wearing makeup and posing in very provocative poses and they're obviously very young um, you know I think the lead actress was 11 when she was casted and acted in the film and um, I first learned about the movie when I was, you know, I was just sitting here at my desk, uh, you know, our kitchen table, um, typing, and my fiance is like, uh, this is weird. I'm like, what? And so he comes over, he shows me a Facebook ad, and I'm like, huh, yeah, that is kind of strange. But so it was, and he doesn't usually do that, like alert me to things that he sees on Facebook. Um, usually it's like Russian propaganda or, you know, I guess this, but... <laughs> <laughs> He's very random. So it, it was obviously, you know, something that was kind of inappropriate. But um, so I love the I love the message of the movie. And as far as like, experiencing stuff like this. Um, I mean, you know, I don't, thankfully, really know um, pedophiles. But I think when I I mean, when I was like a little girl, I think nine, I was in Chinatown with my grandma. And some old creeper I mean he was probably like uh, I don't know maybe well I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give an age <laughs> but thank um, you you know anyway so I was in, in Chinatown and this guy kept <laughs> and and then he, he eventually like came up behind me and like pressed himself against me and that I mean and I was too young to know what the hell was going on I was like eight or nine years old and I knew something was wrong but my grandma she doesn't speak English I didn't speak that you know good Chinese so it's not like I could tell anyone but there are creepers all around uh, and I read this um, New York Times story that came out last year that said like. 45 million photos and videos of child sex abuse were found or were reported to be on the internet and that doubled from the year before. So I think my concern would be, you know, the posters and the trailers, it's sort of like normalizing these images of, of very little girls, you know, in a very sexual manner. Yeah, and, and that's where my my entire contention with all of this comes from. Because again, it, it starts with the parents. It starts with what you described and the fact that it is a very real issue and that this kind of, whether it means to or not, almost kind of legitimizes some of that. And I don't think that was their intent after reading the articles and listening to your guys' actual description of the movie. But Ron, um, kind of having a similar experience as myself, where do, where do you come like well what's your overall reaction to the fact that this is that it's out it's not like it's we're going to stop it it's there right and i'm not going to cancel netflix because yeah exactly <laughs> the last kingdom is coming back for another season season so. five let's go there you go <laughs> more more sword play and we're um, going to get that braxton mccoy documentary next year but anyway keep going 
there we go. Um, always got to drop him in. That's all. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, um, at, when it first, when I first heard about it was when everybody, the, the, the outrage crowd, you know, the, 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 the conservative cancel culture, cancel Netflix, you know, this whole thing. And I'm going, yeah, okay. You know, I saw the Facebook ad and, and everything like that. And when we decided to, uh, to uh, discuss this, I watched the trailer and, and, um, yeah, it was like, okay. The trailer, and, did, yeah. And I, but, but I get that. I, I'm my, my eldest child is, is, is a girl. So I'm, I'm, and I have a 14 year old granddaughter. So yeah, I'm not that old creeper there, Christina. Okay, so, <laughs> but, yeah, but still, um, uh, so I, I've, I've raised a girl and, you know, so, and, and it, um, I understand it's a challenge for, for young ladies to, to grow up. And, yeah. and when my daughter came of age in the late nineties and, and early two thousands, it, it's difficult. And, you know, it's not like I can go to the, uh, you know, parenting for dummies manual for, for, you know, for daughters to learn how to do that. But yeah. so I agree with you, Eric, it's, it's a lot about parenting, um, things like that. And I, I think the, the movie's vehicle of, of showing a very conservative, uh, Singlinese uh, Muslim family was probably going too far to the to the to one one side of the equation um, because yeah. here here are African immigrants in in France um, they don't even understand basic French culture let alone modern culture all the all the nuances thereof so they were ill equipped to uh, guide their daughter properly and. and and help her understand what was going on. Uh, you know, I started when I saw the trailer, I, and, and some of the some of the clips or parts of the in the trailer, I was reminded of, and now I'm going to show my age. And so no laughing, Veronica, is, uh, you know, the Joan Benet Ramsey case back in the mid 90s. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. And uh, I mean, now she was obviously what, six years old or something like that. Something but, like that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, again, you know, here we have, you know, made up you know, to look like adults, very young children, you know, it's, and it's just, it was, it was wrong then it's wrong now. Um, so I just, yeah, I, it's not a movie I'm going to watch. I'm, right. I'm sorry, Veronica. I'm not going to, I, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, you know, if I want to watch Flashdance, I'll watch Flashdance. That's a good movie. And so, but, well, <laughs> come on. Hey, look, when you're, when you're, when you're a, a, you know, an adolescent boy watching a movie like Flashdance growing up, come on. It's a great movie. Yeah. Oh, no? what, All right. what, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so a couple, so a couple of things, the, the reason it's a, 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 sen, a sen, Senegalese, I'm going to fuck it up. I know I put yeah. that. Senegalese. French, Senegalese. Drink more. Amen. <laughs> Pinkies up, Veronica. Pinkies up. Tell me twice. Pinkies so up. the reason that she chose to do that is that's actually the director's um, background. Okay. So it was Makes something sense. she could relate to. Yeah. So some. So like I said, it was modeled after her own life. Um, and actually, Ron, I will say it's not conservative cancel culture. Uh, Nancy Pelosi's daughter and Tulsi Gabbard also spoke out against. Yep. The, sure uh, the movie. So it's actually been like a bipartisan. Bipartisan cancel culture. Bipartisan <laughs> cancel culture. Um, the trailer and poster were actually Netflix's. So the original poster was like the little girls doing like the shopping spree and it was them running with bags and it was a little bit more of a wholesome poster and then Netflix like ran with this like 
trashy skank positioning, which is like the end of the movie, like where everything sort of comes yeah. to like, like it's, you know, like the fucking peak and obviously falls apart. Right. Um, and I think the thing that like I'm, I struggle with, right. With cancel culture specifically in this sense. And like, that's one of the reasons like I kind of wanted to talk about this whole thing was that people made a really strong, uh, had really strong opinions about this movie without ever seeing it. Mm -hmm. And I think what bothers me about that is the selective outrage, right? Mm -hmm. Because we had 10 seasons of fucking dance moms. We have teen mom. We have 15 and pregnant, 16 and pregnant. We have toddlers and tiaras. We have Miss Teen USA. Honey boo boo. Honey fucking boo boo. -boo. (laughs) You know? And like... Yeah, the thing that we have we have shit like the show, you know, another show that teenage girls watch, Pretty Little Liars, and it's a 15, 16 year old girl, and she has sex with her teacher in a bathroom, like, and the they have a relationship throughout the entire show. It's like seven seasons, and it, like these things are are in so much media, and again, parents don't watch and like, you know, babysit every single thing their kids do, and on top of that little girls and little boys, boys and girls, do a lot of shit behind their parents' backs. I was a fucking angel in front of my parents. Like, but I can tell you right now, I was not allowed to watch Starship Troopers because of the shower scene. But I'll tell you what, every time I went to my cousin's house, we were like, put that fucking movie on. Like, this is... Yeah. titties you know yep. what i mean like, that's, yep. it's true. So like you do like we all do things behind our parents backs and obviously in the time when we didn't have social media it was yeah maybe easier to get away with and it wasn't as i guess pervasive in our everyday life but now that all of these kids are basically being raised by their phones all of these kids are going to school with cell phones like it's so much more accessible now that i think it's harder to escape from um and there are a lot of really great apps out there for parents. If you guys are concerned about like what your young, young kids are into, like where you guys can monitor what they're doing. And also it'll like track certain words that predators use. Yeah. One that I, one that comes to mind is called a uh, bark. Great app. It's amazing. They have like a, uh, you know, actual like smart technology that like looks for keywords um, for either cyberbullying or predators that are like trying to t- you talk to your kids on social media um, you know, especially if they have public accounts or, un, you know, open accounts. But I just, I, I think for me, like I struggle, again, we've talked about cancel culture. Like I personally struggle with cancel culture and yeah. like how quick people are to make a judgment on something without, the, the point of art is to have a discussion, right? It's to, it's to evoke a response. Now yeah. it's not always going to be a comfortable response. And I think this is, this is maybe not a story that everybody's going to be able to relate to, but it's a definitely a, a, a discussion that needs to happen because it's, it's a lot more prevalent than people realize or think. I mean, you see parents taking videos of their kids shaking their asses and like learning how to twerk like this six-year-old doesn't know how to dis- twerk. What I, I fucking hate happening? it. Yeah. I, 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 I don't even know who's talking that right now, but I, I mean, I agree it's a discussion that needs to start. Yeah. But uh, in here, but I, I think it's a discussion that needs to be had. You know, sexualizing young girls. I mean, uh, you know, I have a niece. I have two nieces now, actually, um, and they need to learn. You know, not to want to be YouTube stars and, and TikTok yeah. stars. 
the amount of videos that I see of young girls dancing on my Instagram is like really just disturbing. Like I don't know who I like or clicked on to get these videos, but anyway. So, but I think there's a way to do it that's artistic. Like one of my favorite movies is The Professional with Natalie Portman. Yeah, I don't know how movie. old she was in that. Love that fucking movie. Love that movie. Love it. It's just uh, so good. But there's that one scene where she's like putting on makeup and dancing for yep. Leon, and that's a little bit kind of like. You know, it's 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 cute though. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, a little a little bit weird, but that was just one scene. And of course, there were far worse, more graphic, uh, sexually and you know, violent things in that. But you know, um, I mean, of course, that, that movie was not about child, you know, sexually and growing up. Um, but I mean, I think there just should have been less glorification, less less twerking, less butt shots, less crotch shots. And I think, you know, if they use the original poster, everything would have been fine. Um, and one of my favorite books actually is Lolita by Nabokov. Oh, that's yeah. that movie as well. That <laughs> yeah, was you know, Vladimir Nabokov. Yeah. Humphrey Humphrey, yeah. Yeah, that's the same thing. So I, yeah. So I think... I thought it was done very... Um, Go ahead, Christina. Finish your thought, please. Oh, no. Okay. I was just saying Lolita, you know, it was like a fine literary piece of, you know, work. And, you know, you explored the, the very taboo subject of an adult and a, you know, child relationship. I know that sounds disgusting, but it's without, um, I don't know, war. Well, maybe there, maybe there are problems with that, too. But, you know, um, I don't think... I think the problem with QEs is just the imagery and just like, uh, you know, the, um, the normalization of that imagery. But also, I see on Twitter, and, you know, again, I don't know these, these people personally, but there's this kind of movement to normalize pedophilia. I, I don't know what it's called, but it's kind of like, uh, I think it's got a term for it, but it's like, oh, these are just feelings of these, you know, pedophiles are people too. I don't know if you, you guys have seen that as well, yeah. but so I think coming along, this movie and the images coming at the same time as this movement to normalize all, you know, different types of people is, is kind of a problem, you know, it's problematic. I just want to point out that, you know, I appreciate Veronica bringing up that the different apps exist, but that doesn't abrogate the parental responsibility mm -hmm. to teach your children you know, decent values, a, a moral code, um, knowing right from wrong, and uh, supervising them as, as much as you can, and, and giving them the, the, the decision-making tools where they can decide, like, yeah, okay, you, you go off and, and, and twerk your ass in the mall or wherever kids go these days, and uh, well, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll just hang out here and sit at the Orange Julius and, and and, uh, watch watch the boys go by. What? I don't know. I haven't been to a mall in like a thousand years. All right, dude. Dairy Queen, Orange Julius, whatever. Got whatever. Oh, Come on, the oh, food I remember, court. I remember twerking at the Orange Julius. When exactly. I was a, yeah. a young girl. <laughs> Stop. You know what I'm. You, but you get the you, you get the illusion. But but the thing is, uh, Christina, to answer your question, what, what do we call that whole pedophilia movement? It's, it's enabling everybody to own a wood chipper and, and everybody's going to be able to put one pedophile through a wood chipper. Yeah. Or, or kind of to make a playoff of that one today I saw that commies don't surf, pedophilias don't surf, or pedof, pedof, what is that word? Pe pedophilia? Pedof 
pedophiles don't surf and it's like a helicopter dropping someone out of it it's fucking <laughs> all right so we, we we've touched enough on this all right i want to bring it back to uh something a little more near and dear to the goon's heart which is some of us veronica i'm still waiting for you i know i need to actually share it but I, i'm still waiting for you to join us on our goon chat every wednesday night Nine. i don't even know what this is uh we'll, we'll talk about it uh I, you'll just You'll just be severely outnumbered because they're yeah, all. No, you won't. God, she'll put Brink in his place. Exactly. Oh my That's God. true. It actually be should Bam! be. Bam. Uh, but yeah, we should probably get you involved in the goon I'm, chat. I'm, on I'm, I'm okay with being the lone liberal, guys. It's fine. It, on the Wednesdays. <laughs> no, it, it'll be fun. No, I know. It'll be good because you. Yeah. But anyway, so the, the movement has kind of picked up steam. I know it's been going on on social media, especially with Twitter for years. Um, I, like I said, as when I was a drill sergeant in. 10 years ago at this point, we used to reference this guy, Saren Alwyn Cash's, Saren First Class Alwyn Cash's actual narrative for his Silver Star multiple times throughout our cycles. Anytime, it's always been brought up, even as a platoon sergeant, I would bring it up to just, he's a legend if you don't know who Saren First Class Alwyn Cash is. And it's, uh, he's not just a legend in the Army, but he's definitely a legend in the infantry community. So uh, we already talked about how uh, Alejandro Villanueva brought attention to it on the back of his helmet as a Pittsburgh Steeler in the NFL. Um, there's a movement going on right now through a lot of uh, our little circle, which I am super proud to be a part of. Uh, they've, they've had a, a, a conference call last night at like 9 p.m., you know, with some of these legislative aides. Like, it's definitely on the radar. So I encourage everyone to please contact through the, the Senate switchboard your local senator in your state. Let them know that we have – House Resolution Bill number 8276, which is to take up the Medal of Honor for Sergeant First Class Alwyn Cash. There's about five days left, I think, in this last session. Ron, does that sound about right? Yeah, until they go for whatever vacation right. recess of whatever. Yeah, so it's been, it's, it's been put up by uh, Representative Murphy out of Florida. It's, 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 it's and Crenshaw in, from Texas. And Crenshaw from Texas. So it's, the, the House has put it up. And it's on the Senate at this point. Please, Christina, go ahead. Yes. Oh, yeah. So Mike Waltz, too. He's a buddy of mine. He's an active. Uh, no, sorry. He's not active. He's reserved uh, Green Beret. And he's pushing for it, too. Uh, he told me the backstory was that he this is something he's been wanting to do for a long time. He buddied up with Crenshaw and then they discovered that uh, Representative Murphy was doing something as well. Um, so Waltz and Murphy are from Florida. And so that's kind of how it all started. And they were going to drop it in the national defense authorization act but who knows when that's going to be uh, passed yes yeah. but i think they are going a separate route because they're not sure congress will be able to actually do its job so yeah right when and i heard that uh chairman chairman smith at the house armed services committee is is sitting on the ndaa that the National Defense Authorization Act, which is probably why Murphy and Crenshaw are pursuing their, their bipartisan bill separate from that uh, in rider on the NDAA to, uh, to do that. But yeah, as, as Eric said, everybody needs to contact their senator as well as their, their representative, yeah. uh, their congressional representative. And, um, and if you don't know who you're, who you're, what congressional district you live in, shame on you. But then just, you know, unless you live from a really large state like California with a zillion representatives, yep. just every one of them. Just call them all. Yeah. Call them. 
yeah, it's, it's really, hey, it's, and then what's really easy now, Ron is, uh, what I did earlier as well is, uh, just, you know, they all got yeah. fucking Twitter accounts. They all got social media accounts. Oh yeah. Adam. I, I, <laughs> just Adam. Thank, thank God. South Dakota is just, uh, I just yeah. got two senators and one rep. I, I'm very fortunate. I, I'm still, all my home, of my, you. yeah, my, my home record is Florida. So I got Senator Marco Rubio and Senator uh, Rick Scott, who was in the Navy once upon a time. So there, I, and I know, I think Senator Rick Scott is actually on, is it the Armed Services Committee, Ron? Is that the name? No, of he's he's not on the he's not on the he's Senate not. committee. Okay, um, I don't know, Christina. You know more about you're right. Yeah, there. Say, this is Christina's Avenue. <laughs> you're you're the you're at the heartbeat there. Is Rick Scott on the on the Senate Armed Services Committee? If it's not him, Rubio is. I know one of them is. Well, Rubio's on the Intel Committee. Oh, That's right, Intel. Okay. Uh, I think Rubio is on Intel and Senate Foreign Relations. Um, I, I think Rick Scott might be. I'll look it he up is. right yeah, now. As we effort this search through the wonderful Google search so, engine. So, quick question. So, I, I, like, it, it was it was it a Humvee that he pulled the soldiers out of, or a Bradley? I thought it, I, I always heard it was a Bradley. Yeah, I don't think it was a Humvee. It's from the from the description I read. He pulled out six soldiers, so it couldn't have been a Humvee. It must have been a Bradley. Uh, right. I just remember. The driver caught fire. He was doused in gasoline because the tank exploded and started spitting gasoline. And then as he was on, you know, as he was trying to get his soldiers out of the back of the vehicle, he eventually caught on fire and remained pulling these men out of this vehicle while he was on fire. Like it's the definition of going above and beyond as the Medal of Honor stipulates. And He's overdue. I hope he gets it. Um, I think with all of our pressure in this era, fortunately right. that we live in with social media, we can, we can make this happen way sooner than some of, as we discussed last night, Ron, the, right. the, the Vietnam brothers that have waited 40, 50, 60 years to get there. So, and it's, it's, it's important to point out though, that the bill is, is to waive the five year limit time limitation on right. the, uh, on the initial awarding. This of was the, 15 years ago. Correct. Right. What do you got, Christina? Yes. Okay. So I think the key people to pressure is Nancy Pelosi because she's in charge of what gets to the floor in the House because it has to pass to the House first as well as Adam Smith. And then in the Senate Arms uh, Services Committee, the chairman is um, Inhofe. You've got Wicker, Deb Fisher, Tom Cotton, Mike Rounds, Joni Ernst, Tom Tillis. Um, Dan Sullivan, David Perdue, Kevin Kramer, Martha McSally. Oh, Rick Scott. Rick Scott is on the Marshall Blackburn. <laughs> Josh Hawley, yeah. Jack Reed. These are the Dems. Jack Reed, Denise Green, Gilbrand, Blumenthal, Verono, Kane, King, Heinrich, Warren, Peter, uh, Peters, uh, Manchin, Duckworth, and Doug Jones. Ooh, Duckworth and Ernst are both um, veterans as well. Yep. Yes, right. Yeah, they'd be good to, to reach out to. I'm sure that they'd be well, super I, read, I, I read something uh, in that other little group that we have on Twitter there, Eric. Mm -hmm. uh, Chip said that uh, that Duckworth is now behind the, the bill and, and the whole effort, mm -hmm. So, which is, all, which is, which is huge. Yeah, because huge. Absolutely. That's what we need. Because like I said, this should be a bipartisan effort. All right. Men, women, thank you for another fantastic episode of There Will Be uh, Banter. Remember, you may not think like us, but you probably think like one of us. We'll catch you next week. Uh, wait, Veronica, are you gone next week? 
I am. I won't be here. Yeah, we need to find a replacement for Veronica next week. So if you are listening and you want to hop on with us, and also what we need to do is uh, some, we're going to try and pay uh, through GoFundMe or some crowdsource. We're going to try and pay Christina's internet bill. <laughs> we love you, Christina, but we'll, we'll fix that. All right. Thank you. Please watch us on There Will Be Banter. It's hosted on There Will Be Bourbon on the, on the YouTube channel. Uh, we'll catch up with you guys all next week. It, it's, uh, I love all of you. We, hey, we must I, go. Every other word. That's good, right? <laughs> Uh, having you on this really fun.